This is a podcast from the Queen City Podcast Network. Welcome to the things that matter. My name is Maritza. I'm a native New Englander, now living in the South, managing the business world while keeping my own mental health in check. I've always had a fascination for the brain and behavior and anything neuroscience related. The world can feel overwhelming at times, especially if you don't understand yourself. I thought I did for years before being diagnosed with anxiety and depression. I'm here to show you that you are not alone. I want to inspire you as a listener to be that empowered individual that you know lives deep down in your heart, but I will be the first one to let you know you cannot get there without working on yourself. It starts right here, right now. You can make a difference in someone's life, no matter how small it seems. We need community. We need collaboration. We need people. Welcome to another episode. I am your guest host, Christopher Whedon, host of the Mentally Shredded podcast. And today I have the honor and pleasure to interview your host, Maritza Marie. How are you doing, Maritza? Doing well. It's a great day today already. It is. Very beautiful. Very beautiful. So let's talk about how we met and then how this episode came to be. Okay. Do you want to tell our story? Oh, no. I'm going to let you do that. (laughs) Well, uh, Chris and I met at a mental health breakfast where I met a lot of folks, actually. And we just really connected because we had a lot in common in terms of what we were doing with our life and where we wanted to go in the future. So it was easy to connect and we just kind of kept it going from there. That is true. That is true. I was very intrigued by your story and said, well, I need to learn more. And now we are here. I get to have my first opportunity hosting on someone else's platform. (laughs) So thank you for that. Of course. And I don't know if your audience really knows much about your story. And so I think that's a good place to start. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about how you got into the mental health space and uh, why is this such a passion for you? Well, let's see, where do I start? (laughs) I started really focusing on my mental health, I think, when, say it was like, I don't even know how many years back to go. I guess I'll tell the audience when I realized there there was something I needed to deal with. At one point, I had, you know, over the years, I had dealt with panic attacks here and there, and I'll go back into that. But there was one point where I... It was 2019 when this was happening. It was the summer of 2019, and I started having, well, I had my first panic attack while I was sleeping. So I woke up in the middle of the night, and I remember just being so, so scared because I had no idea where I was. Like, I was still in a sleep state when I woke up, and I was panicking because my heart was racing, and I really just felt... I didn't feel in control of my own body, and I almost felt like I was going to die. It was really scary for me waking up in the middle of the night, especially because I dream every night. I love sleeping. I go to sleep every night, and I have very vivid dreams that I remember almost every morning, as long as I write it down within the first five seconds of waking up. Um, And I woke up, and I was just in this different state of mind where I was out of control, like I didn't have control over this. And it happened. It started happening a lot when I was sleeping. So I'd wake up in the middle of the night feeling like this. And 
you know, I kind of brushed off, like, this is something I can manage. I'm going through therapy currently, so it's nothing I can't handle. And then I remember I was at the gym, which is my other happy place, and I actually decided to do a workout downstairs in the women's area. They have a kind of a private area where you can work out, and I remember being down there, and I had a panic attack at the gym. And it was midway through my workout, and I was just, again, so confused why this was happening. This is the place that's supposed to make me happy, and I love being there. And at that moment, I remember just being like, I need to do something about this. And I immediately made a uh, an appointment with my primary doctor. And my primary doctor, I really only see once a year, really for those routine checkups. And I had made an appointment with him, and I remember getting there and being like, oh, he doesn't even really know me. This is going to be awkward. And I remember sitting down on the table, and he was just like, what's going on? And I'm like, I explained what I was doing and what was happening to me. And he made me feel so at peace in that moment, even though I had no idea what was going on. He was like, don't worry. It's going to be all right. We're going to get to the bottom of this and figure it out. I'm going to run a couple tests just on your heart and just make sure your lungs are good, um, things like that. And so we ran a few tests, and then we talked about the fact that I was going through therapy. And he was, you know, obviously happy to hear that I was going through therapy, but he said sometimes, you know, we need to have therapy and use medication to get back to a certain place. And I remember he prescribed me a medication for actually a couple medications for anxiety and depression. And at first, I remember being, it was maybe a month, two months in, and it was not doing anything. And it takes a while for the medication to work. But I explained to him, you know, I don't think this is helping at all. And so he switched medications for me. And then I got on a medication that was working, or medications that were working. And I've always been of the belief, I think it's from my family, that you shouldn't be controlled by medications and you shouldn't have to live on medications your whole life. So I knew this was just a short-term fix, but I'd say about six to eight months in, I completely felt different. Like I remember remember being at the point where I was like, wow, this is, this is what normal feels like. And it was funny to me because I just had been in this state for so long where I would go to sleep crying at night. And you know, I think all the things that I thought were normal and just like part of daily life, like weren't so normal. <laughs> and so it just really made me look at everything. But then I eventually, and I did, unfortunately, there are side effects to getting on medication. So I, I was unhappy because I had gained some weight and it wasn't a, a ton of weight, but for me, it was enough weight to make me insecure. Um, so I talked to him. And I think it was the summer of 2020, actually, during the pandemic, when I was like, I need to get off the medication now, which was interesting because I did start, we, we came up with a plan to get off the medication, but then I noticed I was home with my family and I noticed all the triggers that actually naturally induce anxiety when you're not on medication. So my parents would repeatedly watch the news every night and at six o'clock news, it would be on. And my parents I mean, it was routine to them, but I at one point was like, I, I can't do this. I have to be in my room. I can't be watching the news every night. The, the spikes are just going up on these reports, and they're going up and down and up and down. And even I feel like it would make a sane person anxious watching that. So all that to be said, I think that is the point where I realized I really had to look into this a little bit further. And I really started reflecting. Um, I wasn't 
I don't think I was going to therapy as much throughout this time just because I was furloughed from my job and I wasn't working. And so I was really financially, I didn't have the money to be going to a therapist all the time. But, you know, I, I prioritized my health and wellness. I was still working out, still doing those things that were important to me. But I really started reflecting and realized this was a long time coming. It was, I think, you know, looking back, I kind of was like, what was the initial trigger? And it could have been a couple different things. Like when I started this podcast, it was even funny because my mom, love her so much. She's like, well, what, what story are you going to talk about? <laughs> like, it's interesting that I have more than one that I can talk about. But yes, I guess there's, there are multiple stories that affect things that affect my mental health. And really the true story that came out was my friend passing when I was in college. He was one of my best friends. Um, we also dated previously. So that to me I processed alone when it happened um and I feel like I'm talking a lot right now which is <laughs> hey this is a part of your like, journey wow. it's a part of your story and, and don't worry I'll have follow-up questions okay uh but really this this kind of event that led to a lot of my anxiety and panic attacks I was in college and he it was the summer well right before I think I was in summer classes when it happened but uh we were best friends at the time and essentially he passed suddenly I was 19 years old and at the time I remember the morning it happened the morning I found out about all this happening I had called his his mom or called his phone routinely um just to check on him and his, his mom passed the phone to his aunt, who was like, you you know, they're all like, you haven't heard yet. I had no idea what was going on. I didn't think it was anything serious. And then he ended up passing in his sleep in the morning. Um, we won't go into, like, the details, but it – I remember I was I had to go to work. I worked at Express. Still love Express clothes. I uh, worked there in college. <laughs> and uh, I was on my way to work that morning, and I remember just – hearing the news I was in the car and I just broke down and cried and I never miss a day at work and I think I called in and I was like I, I just I don't know if I can come to work today and I don't know if I even went to the details but I was just like wow this is I think I was in a moment of shock too when it happened I processed it but not really I, I I was in my head like how could this happen like he was so young too I think he was he was early 20s like we were only a few years different but I, a lot of my friends didn't like our relationship so much. We, I don't know. I mean, obviously had his, we had our good moments, but we also had bad moments together. Like we weren't the best for each other, but we truly did love each other and care about each other. And so I kind of, I kept a lot of this to myself and no one around me really believed in therapy at the time or believed there were other ways. Like I could go to, you know, I could go to church or I could do this or I could do something else that would help me solve all my problems and make me feel better but really I you know I so I process a lot of this on my own like I would go to sleep crying almost every night and that lasted for a good year or so and I still managed I think that's the crazy thing is people if you saw me like outside of home you wouldn't know a single thing like you wouldn't know I was dealing with the loss of a friend but I really had no one to talk to and so you know, I kind of, this is what I do naturally. I, and my therapist brought this up, like, how do you deal with this stuff? Well, I immerse myself in everything else. Um, so that's when I joined an Greek life and I got into like 
more of my academics. I I did end up changing majors. I started as fashion design major and then changed to business marketing because I would have had to stay there an extra year due to like my grades and everything. So I switched to business marketing because I still wanted a challenge because that's just me naturally. But I threw myself into school and that's what I did to cope. And then I did have a panic attack once in college and I'll never forget that because it was also one of those moments where I felt like everything in my life was, it was a perfect day. It was like one of the highest of highs I had. I remember I was looking for internships. Um, it was internships or jobs, actually, now that I say this. Um, but regardless, there was, I had applied and I was actually at a career fair and I met someone from a company I had applied to. And I was like, wow, this is meant to be. Like they met me in person. Like I have an opportunity now. And then that same day I met someone that I was like, I almost felt emotions again. And I was like, wow, I I can feel emotions again. I can like someone again. And I was super excited for that. And I remember, I think I just took a bath at night or something. And all of a sudden a wave of something came over me. It was my first true panic attack. And one of my, I'll never forget because I didn't know what it was. I was just, felt numb all over. And then I was panicking because I couldn't breathe very well. And one of my best friends still to this day, he actually, I don't think he even had a car at the time, but he ran to my place to make sure I was all right. He drove my car, which I never let anyone drive my car, not because it was like beautiful or nice. It was just, I don't know why I didn't let people drive my car, but he drove my car to the hospital and I get to the hospital and we're in the ER and then we get seated. And I remember the doctor when after, you know, it was a couple hours, the, but the doctor came in and told me, that it was a panic attack. And I remember being so kind of embarrassed. I'm like, wow, like, wow, that's why I'm at the doctor. Like, there's nothing seriously wrong with me. Like, that's why I'm like, and I felt like in my head, I'm like, you know, that's silly. I shouldn't have been to the doctor for this. And I remember that was the initial reaction. And I think I had little panic attacks after that, but I... I didn't realize that, you know, my friend passing and dealing with that hadn't hadn't really been processed in my head and in my body. And I will say after he passed, I was there were a lot of things that I did not that I didn't do freshman and sophomore year. I was, you know, I I went out socially and would drink, but I didn't drink to the extent I did past that. And I feel like I just I started drinking and I would never say I was it was apparent that like I had like a drinking problem because I was I could manage everything but looking back I drank a lot and it was really like I think I threw myself into social situations into drinking and and to the point where I just I mean there's a lot of times when I drank where I would just black out like I wouldn't remember and that happened way more than I'd like to admit and I don't know my mind just got into the state where I wanted to forget and nothing terrible happened. Thank, thank God, you know, nothing terrible happened in any of those moments. And it wasn't, it wasn't like I did anything crazy, crazy. Like it was just, I didn't feel like I was me. And so when I started going to therapy, I realized that a lot of this, like I dealt with it in, with alcohol, with relationships. I dated a lot of guys that weren't the best for me, but I wanted to be there as like their support and their savior and help them. And yeah, it was just, 
you know, it's the power of therapy and kind of going through this and seeing all this. But sometimes, like, I think that moment realizing that sometimes you need something else too. Like, there's a chemical imbalance in your head at some point and you're dealing with trauma and you're dealing with things that aren't easy to manage on your own. I started doing, at one point, I started doing EMDR therapy and I fully support EMDR because of what it did. I remember the first experience, it kind of, they have you go back through memories and things come up that you, you're shocked. You're like, I haven't thought about this in 20 years. And now I'm thinking about my kindergarten experience and this time on like the field and the playground. And you're just like, wow, like all these, and they don't even have to be triggering memories. It's just that it's interesting to see your memory patterns and where, where you haven't dealt with stuff and where there may be things that are provoking you to do certain things that you don't realize. So in summary, it's been a long journey. (laughs) And I feel like, you know, obviously with the pandemic, it brought so much light to mental health and I'm so glad it did. And the reason I started this podcast was because I knew this truly, people needed to hear people's stories and people needed to realize that we're all in this together, and we're not going to get through this alone. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. I'm listening to your story. I'm thinking about all of the ways that we've learned to cope as human beings mm-hmm. with all of the many traumas, big traumas. We all have something that we can turn to or multiple things <laughs> that we can turn to yeah. to cope and to navigate. I love that when you started learning more about your experience, learning more about how you were feeling and understanding that, you eventually did what we encourage everyone to do and you sought help. Mm -hmm. And not help from friends, not help from family, right? Because those are very good outlets. Mm -hmm. But you sought professional help. Mm -hmm. And that has allowed you to become healthy, mentally, physically, right? Mm -hmm. There's restoration, and you can see it when you speak and when you share your story. There are a lot of people that have similar experiences that are still struggling because they have not taken that leap of faith, Mm -hmm. and that's essentially what it is, right? It's Mm -hmm. a leap of faith to ask for help. It's a leap of faith to say, hey, I'm not okay. And we both have done that in our own journeys. And so I want to make sure that I give you flowers in, in that process while we're here today because that is a huge step, mm-hmm. right? That first step is the, is the biggest step. That's the most important step. So thank you. Well, thank you. Of course. <laughs> thank you for being in the same space. And I will say, I, even with my therapy journey, I wanted to start earlier than I did. Unfortunately, resources were really what kept me held me back financial resources. I remember being in Boston and I was dating someone that just wasn't great for me. And I I went to a therapist, but it was so expensive for me. Like I wasn't, I was barely, I mean, for the salary man in Boston and the experiences I had, I'm so grateful, but like I did not make much. And I was trying to figure out how to pay my rent every month. And then to do a therapy session, I remember it was out of pocket was $75 at the time. I mean, it's so much more now, but like for me, even at that point, that was expensive. And I think the the therapist, he was so, again, so warm and welcoming. And, like, he felt so bad for me that I was in the situation I was in and that I put myself, like, you know, again, like, 
people are shocked that I put myself, they see me career-wise, and they see me do all these things in sales, and, you know, I'm accomplishing all my goals, and then you look at, you hear this about my personal life, and they would never think that I would put myself in situations like this, so... Yeah, I'm glad. I mean, the resources that are out there now, they're becoming more available, but like it's still tough. And I know for people to, to even get to counseling services to be able to, to, be able to fund that financially, it's tough. Mm. Even in your response to your journey mm-hmm. and to the trauma that you experienced, you did put yourself in situations that you knew weren't the healthiest. They, mm-hmm. weren't, they weren't the most comfortable. How do you feel now when you see others doing similar things, uh, having, you know, showing similar patterns to what you've done in the past? How do you respond to those individuals? Yeah, so I think it's interesting that, you know, I'm a believer in God, and I think it's interesting that God puts you in the places that they do because I've been around people that have, have and are dealing with people the relationships I've dealt with, you know, and I'm like, well, just so you know, this is what happened in my relationship, and it's only going to get worse. Here's the patterns of behavior that I've seen from people, and this is what could happen next. And it's only helped me to help others, and I, I think that's the best thing that's come out of this. Like, now that I can tell people where I've been and connect with people on that level, they understand that this is like, and it's not them. It's never them. Like, people get in situations that, you know, I think, again, like where they're, they have all their areas of their life that they're doing so well in. And you would just, again, from the outside perception, you're like, why would that person do that? That makes no sense. But if you've been in that situation, you understand. Like, there's more to it. And even like dating wise, like dating really toxic people, like you, there's manipulation involved and there's other stuff that, that you don't see. And of course, there's the things that keep you there. There's the, person telling they you know they love you and showing you all those things but there's the other side of it that you don't see so I think it's only helped me to just help other people at this point and that's why I tell people everyone has a story like no matter how small you think it is I know people that have been in situations that I've never been in and I I don't ever desire to be in but I'm they have a story to share with people that is still worth something and people need to recognize that because as small as your story may seem, you can impact another person in a positive way. I think the most important thing that we can take from what you've shared is, one, I agree 1,000%. We all have a story. Mm-hmm. Um, two, you're not alone. Mm-hmm. And three, if you're listening to this, we already know that you've overcome so many obstacles to get where you are today. Mm. That's a win, right? So I hope that you're encouraged by the fact that you're even able to listen to this, that you're able to receive this and know that, no, it it doesn't get, it doesn't get easy. It doesn't get easier, right? Like this is a journey, but you don't have to do this journey alone. Mm -hmm. And you can learn tools that help you along the way so that way when you are triggered and you have that natural response to go do something that you know you shouldn't do, (laughs) right? Because we all have those. But now you've learned positive and healthy tools and ways to cope. That is my hope for people. Mm -hmm. And I believe, Maritza, you are a, a prime example of showing people 
how to respond positively, even in negative situations, because you've grown through that. Mm-hmm. And there's, there's things, I mean, there's tools I've learned, there's tricks, you know, I, even when it comes to drinking, I have, I have an app that might seem a little bit like too much, but I have a, an app called Drink Control, where you can essentially track all of your drinks. And so I'm just way more conscious about what I'm doing. Because now if I go out, if I have one drink, two drinks, like I know how that made me feel the next day or, you know, that day, but I can track it and just keep tr- control of it. And then the same, I've mentioned this before, just in my personal life, like even when it comes to fitness, I, I had a planner, um, a paper planner, where I put little stickers on and I just found stickers that I loved (laughs) and like sparkly stickers but like it would keep me on track for how many days I worked out and I just had to be conscious of that because you realize like the things the things you don't the things you sometimes don't want to do like when you're not feeling great you it's hard it's hard to get to the gym it's hard to do the healthy habits like it's hard to like oh I need to meditate today or oh I need to you know I don't even know. There's so many things that are healthy behaviors that on a normal day are fine. But when you're in that state, you don't want to do that. You don't want to get out of bed. You don't want to go to the gym. You don't want to do all those things. And so being more conscious of the fact that you know, hey, this actually helps my mind and body doing it. Just being conscious of that helps tremendously because then you realize, yeah, it, it might be hard to get there today. It's, it's, it's probably going to be hard. I'm probably not going to want to be there. But, you know, let me set myself up for success. Let me put on a playlist that I know I love and I can at least get through this. Or let me find a friend to go work out with, whatever it is. Like, or say, like, there's a happy place at the gym. Like, I, I like the, I'm going to shout out to the, the down Y, the rooftop. But I like being on the rooftop because um, it's beautiful up there. And so just knowing that and just knowing, like, hey, there's – there's a, this is going to be better on the other side, even though it feels terrible right now. It's worth it. Have you ever had an experience where you did something positive mm-hmm. and you start getting those, those endorphins going and you felt bad afterwards? Hmm. For example, <laughs> yes. going to the gym and pouring into yourself and, and, and it's not easy yeah. and you didn't want to go, but then when you left... Have you ever said, man, I wish I did not go today? No. The answer to that is no. And I think I do that with even with the things I do in my work life or my my journey career-wise. Like there's things that like starting my fashion company, I I never for a second was like, wow, I should have started that next year, not this year. Or like even starting this podcast. Like there wasn't a moment where I was like, you know two years from now would have been a better time. Like, it's never like that. And I think that's the things we're afraid of are the things we need to do because those are, and not even to say we're afraid of it, things that we add to our to-do list as big goals need to happen faster if they can. Like, live in the moment. Absolutely. And as I said earlier, it doesn't get easier, but you get better. Yes. That's it. You just get better. (laughs) Your mind gets stronger and can deal with the things. And that's why I repeatedly do things. Like, I'll cut out... My friends joke sometimes that they're like, what's Maritza doing today? My one friend was joking that, you know, if I was eating eucalyptus leaves for a month, he wouldn't be surprised because he's like, Maritza always does things to see like how it affects the brain and the body. But I do it because I like to see what positively affects me. 
Like, what are the things that I'm putting in my body that are negatively affecting me and what's positively affecting me? So that's, that's big. And I'll do, you know, I went without caffeine before and now I'm kind of sprinkling the caffeine back in. But I want to see, like, where what it actually does and how it could and again I want to be the the best version of me like I want to continue to grow and I want to continue to learn and I need to implement healthy habits to get there the best way that we can learn is by having that experiment mindset that mm-hmm. scientist mindset and saying okay if I take this out how do I respond how does my mind my body respond to that I love that you you play around with all of these different things just to learn yourself better Mm -hmm. because now you'll 20 years from now think about the growth think Mm -hmm. about what you know you already need to avoid because it makes you feel a certain type of way and that could be foods that could be like how your meal is prepared something very just simple like that but think about the progress that you also make from having a daily routine Mm -hmm. and maybe that's exercise maybe that's journaling maybe that's just surrounding yourself with people that can pour into you instead of taking from your cup right but I love that you have figured out what works for you and you're you're putting all of this into place and now you have a platform where you're able to not only share your journey share your story Mm -hmm. but you're also allowing others to come in and and share theirs I always say success principles are universal. Mm-hmm. We can learn from anyone, but are we open-minded enough to learn from them? That's so true. And I will say this is just kind of on that topic about just habits. Um, I said it at my friend's when I officiated a wedding. I said it at my friend's wedding, but I heard it at another wedding. And it was just about relationships in general and how you need to create good habits because there will be bad times. There will be tough times. And I think in everybody's life, you're going to endure something tougher than today. Like it's, it's bound to happen. So you have to create good habits because you need to be able to counter those things. And you need to figure, out, figure it out now while you're in a good space. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> figuring it out in a terrible space is so much harder to do. 100%. Yes. Mm-hmm. Develop the tools now. Yes. Because they will definitely help you when life hits, mm-hmm. because that is a certainty. We, we all know that is one of the things that this life promises us, mm-hmm. is that it will hit us. But do we have the strength? Do we have the tenacity? Do we have the tools to get back up and say, yeah, you knocked me down yesterday. <laughs> but I'll get back up. It's not a problem. But it's not a problem. I love that. Anything else that you would like to share today? Um. I've mentioned it once before, but I'll mention it again and why the podcast is titled what it is. I was always inspired by this quote, and I think I reposted it every year. And then I realized one day that, like, am I really truly living this? And the quote is by MLK Jr., and it's, our lives begin to end the day we become silent about the things that matter. And that's why this podcast is called The Things That Matter. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for allowing me to be in this space with you. And thank you to the listeners that have supported the Things That Matter podcast. Thank you, Chris. You're welcome. Thanks for joining in. Remember to subscribe. Stay connected and follow me on Instagram at marimariburr and follow this podcast online at thethingsthatmatter.me. 
The Things That Matter podcast is produced in cooperation with Balto Creative Media and the Queen City Podcast Network. It is recorded at the Queen City Podcast Network studios in Uptown Charlotte. QueenCityPodcastNetwork.com. dot com.